Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. We've been hearing for years now that the world's bee population is in trouble. The thing is, we need bees. They play an important role in our ecosystem. Their incredible powers of pollination giving us a free and easy way of making sure our plants continue to grow and thrive. But there's a new threat to Aussie bees that will see many hives die. And it has some people really worried about the future of the insects and the associated industries. Today, we're going to find out about a tiny mite that is threatening the future of Australia's bees. Last month, the alarm bells were sounded at a surveillance hive of bees in New South Wales. A tiny mite called Varroa destructor, better known as the Varroa mite, had landed on our shores. The Department of Primary Industries immediately set up a quarantine zone and have since gassed, poisoned or doused hundreds of hives with petrol before setting them on fire, as the mites are found in more and more locations. The tiny Varroa destructor parasite needs a honeybee host to grow and survive. Adult female Varroa mites lay two to six eggs in the honeybee brood cells in the hive where the honeybee babies or larvae are. After they hatch, they go through two stages of being a larvae themselves before they grow into an adult, which in total takes about five to six days for males and eight to ten days for females. The male, which is always the first egg to be laid, with the rest being female, mates with the females while still in the brood cell and then dies shortly after. The young female mites, along with their mother, then emerge from the cell with the baby honeybee. These adult female varroa mites will find an adult bee and crawl into a part of its abdomen where it feeds off the bee's equivalent of blood or fat bodies. The bees then go about their business with the mite on board, a mite who can also be host to at least five different debilitating bee viruses, which can end up killing off an entire colony. The mite originally occurred in Asia on the Asian honeybee, with outbreaks recorded in Japan between 1909 and 1958, but has since spread to many other countries. While the Asian honeybee has some good defences against it, the European honeybee doesn't, impacting colonies across Europe, the US, Canada and New Zealand. Up until now, except for a couple of times it was found and then contained, the varroa mite wasn't found here in Australia. It was discovered in biosecurity surveillance hives at the port of Newcastle last month, sending the New South Wales bee community into lockdown. So how did it get here? And why can't we do anything other than kill off the entire affected colony? Sue Carney is Vice President of Amateur Beekeepers Australia. 
So it must be heartbreaking for people in your position to see hives being killed off like this. Oh, look, it's pretty devastating for any beekeeper, particularly recreational beekeepers have got a very close relationship with their bees. It's their hobby, it's their interest, and they're really quite focused on the welfare of their bees. So to watch hives being destroyed is pretty devastating for any beekeeper. Can you actually harvest any of the honey once it's been confirmed that the mite has been detected in a colony? So what's happening at the moment in New South Wales, we've got a lockdown order that covers the whole of the state, which means that any beekeeper can't go to their hives to open them up to extract honey to do all of the sort of normal management tasks that you do as a beekeeper. So while that lockdown order is in place, it really means beekeepers have just got to stand back. The only things that they can do is go to their hives to perform certain checks to see whether there any are any mites within those hives. And also they can feed their bees during winter. So some colonies may need extra feeding just to get them through the coldest days of winter. So beekeepers are allowed to do that, but they're not allowed to go to their hives and do anything that may stir the bees up, means that there are more bees flying around. And then you get potential problems with swarming, with bees that may be robbing other hives. And it just increases the risks that if there are any mites in a hive, that they might spread to other colonies. So it's really quite frustrating for beekeepers who've just got to go hands off. We've just got to wait until authorities are able to really map out where this might may have spread to and then put in place whatever needs to be done to wipe it out. When we talk about wiping it out, it does mean killing those bees. But does it also mean destroying the hives? Does all of their infrastructure have to go as well? Well, what's happening is if a row of mite is detected somewhere, immediately there's a zone placed around that hive which stretches a radius of 10 kilometres, so in any direction. And any hives that are in within that radius, there is a risk that the mite that's been detected in that hive, there may be mites that have spread to nearby hives. So those colonies Authorities are saying at the moment we just can't risk the fact that there may be mites in those colonies and that they may get away. So it's killing the bees, it's destroying any frames within that hive that the mites may have been hiding around because we really can't afford to let you know a single mite escape from those zones and then spread to other colonies around the state and around the country. Well, so just how big is this mite? Could you look at a bee and see that it has one on board? Yeah, so Varroa mite, it's about the size of a sesame seed. It's a little brown, reddish-brown little mite, like a flat little disc, so like the shape of a sesame seed, and it attaches itself to a bee. So it's a parasite. It lives off the tissue of the bee, so it attaches itself mainly to the underside of the bee and feeds off of that bee. So there, as the bee comes out of a hive and flies to forage for nectar or pollen, Varroa mite is travelling on that bee and that's a way that the varroa mite can then jump from one bee to another and, and into a bee that will then go back into a different colony. So yes, it is visible on those adult bees, but mostly the mites in a colony are going to be living in the cells, breeding and feeding off the developing bees. Is there no treatment for this mite? Is it really that we have to just kill off the colonies? Uh, it's because we're in that eradication zone. So Australian authorities very much take the view that we can eradicate it. We also had an incursion up in Queensland where 
mites, a different type of varroa mite that lives on the Asian honeybee was discovered in Queensland. And a, a very intensive program was launched and it took a few years for it to be declared that we had eradicated the varroa. So we have got examples in the past where we've managed to find varroa and we've managed to deal with it and eliminate it before it gets into the population. So that's the phase that we're in at the moment. It's very much an elimination phase. Can we catch it? Can we eradicate it? Can we get rid of it? If we don't manage to get rid of it, we then have to go into a phase where we learn to manage it. And then that's the point where Australian beekeepers and all of the industries that depend upon honeybees for pollination services and reducing crops in Australia, we're then going into this world of pain where we've got to learn to manage the varroa. There will be thousands of colonies that will be wiped out until we get on top of it and we learn to manage it and keep the levels down. Aside from honey production and other bee-specific products, We know that bees are really important in Australian agriculture, but just how important are they? And if this mite does come in and start impacting European honeybees, I don't know if it affects our native bee population, we're going to lose a whole bunch of pollinators. Just what kind of impact is that going to have on Australia's agriculture? Yes, so the honeybee is really important for Australian agriculture. It's been estimated that one in three mouthfuls of food that we eat is dependent upon honeybees for the pollination. So there's a huge movement of hives around the country to provide pollination services to Australian crops. You look at the stone fruit, you look at apples, berries, macadamias, you know, a lot of crops are very, very dependent upon honeybees for pollination. So it's been estimated that about 14.2 billion dollars worth of value in the agricultural sector is due to the honeybees providing pollination services. The estimated cost to the Australian honey industry should this mite spread outside of the containment lines is around 70 million dollars a year. The impact on the broader agricultural industry is yet to be calculated, but we know that 35 ag industries rely on bee pollination here in Australia. As Sue mentioned, they include apples, cherries and almonds. But the European honeybee isn't a native species and after being introduced to Australia some 200 years ago, has had some negative impacts on our environment too. Associate Professor Patrick O'Connor is an ecologist in the Centre for Global Food and Resources at the University of Adelaide. He leads research projects aimed at understanding the optimal use of our landscapes for conservation of resources and human use. Patrick, what impact have European honeybees had on Australia's native plants? So there is a bit of a weakness in research in this area, but what we do know is that honeybees compete for nectar and pollen from flower resources, and they also compete for tree hollows. And when they're competing for nectar and pollen, they compete with native insects, primarily the 2,000 native bee species, but also wasps, flies, insects, and even some Australian uh, marsupials like pygmy possums and things that use those flower resources. And when they compete for hollows, they're usually competing with bats and native birds. And are they efficient pollinators of Australian native plants? So they can be efficient for many plants, but there are some plants that introduced honeybees won't pollinate. There are some that they will pollinate partially. And so in native vegetation, what can happen is the partial or missed pollination 
doesn't necessarily get made up by the native species because the native species may be totally outcompeted and lost from the system or the timing, if you imagine a pollinating and nectar-using insect in a piece of native vegetation, it needs something all of the year where it's active. And so if the species that it would have used that it was perhaps specialised for, the resources have been extracted by the introduced honeybees, then those species will go without pollination or be only partially pollinated. And that ultimately leads to a change in the vegetation through change in seeding rates, change in which species will dominate. And that can have all sorts of implications, including changing fire regimes and changing the ecosystem function of that vegetation. What are feral honeybees and why are they considered an issue? So the European honeybee, Apis mellifera, introduced into Australia primarily for honey production in commercial hives. At different times, populations of those escape hives. And as they've escaped over the couple of centuries that they've been in Australia, they have spread out through the native vegetation and essentially taken up all of the habitats across the country that European honeybee could survive in. So they are like feral pigs or feral goats or rabbits or carp. They are a feral pest that is living in native vegetation. And the thing about European honeybees in that environment is that they are incredibly efficient at scavenging the resources. So they don't just make up a small part of those systems. They will be systems where they can be the dominant pollinator and nectar extractor. What impact would the varroa mite have on that feral bee population? What we do know is that when the varroa mite arrived in New Zealand, they knocked the feral honeybee population in New Zealand down to about 10% of the extent that it had been at. So what happens is the varroa mite attacks a hive and then it spreads to other hives and the number of hives drops back as the varroa mite has impact until there are hives that haven't been contacted. And then those hives slowly spread again and the varroa mite gets hold of them and knocks them back again. So potentially it could help in one area while commercial honeybee industries would have to deal with it in another. So all over the world, the commercial honeybee industries are dealing with varroa mite. So varroa mite is not the only or main problem that honeybee cultivation and commercial use have to deal with across the world, but it is significant. It's a challenge to that industry. And so it would have a commercial impact, but the commercial realities would adjust to the presence of the varroa mite and the commercial industry would continue. However, the possibility of a very positive impact on the environment of knocking down the feral honeybees, that's a real possibility and it has real potential. And so it's something that we should be thinking about. So bees are very important to our environment, but they can also be a problem too. Hopefully, we can eventually find the right balance to ensure Australia's native plants thrive while our bee-related industries and agriculture do too. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Tom Lyon. (laughs) 
If you believe in women's media, if you believe in a purpose-driven media company like Mamma Mia, whose core purpose is to make the world a better place for women and girls, please consider subscribing to Mamma Mia. A portion of our profits goes to educating girls in some of the most vulnerable communities in the world through our charity partners. It costs as little as $5.75 a month. For more information, see the link in our show notes.